you really have to wonder what is with these people. Uh, not you, the people in Nazareth in the gospel. You would think that they would be happy to have Jesus perform a miracle or two for them. You know, local hero, hometown boy makes the big time. You'd think they'd be proud. You know, I knew him when he was a little kid. Isn't that the way celebrity usually works? But for some reason, when Jesus returns to his hometown, he's greeted with skepticism and cynicism. And oddly, Mark writes that he could do no miracles there. Not just that he decided not to, he was prevented. It did say that he did cure a few sick people, but that kind of reads like a later addition to the text to kind of soften the impact of this strange situation. Because we don't often think of Jesus as being unable to do anything. Isn't that the nature of miracles? To be able to transcend physical laws, to do the impossible? So how could the disbelief and cynicism of his hometown people have kept Jesus from functioning? Well, I think first we need to talk a little bit about miracles and what they are and how they work. So it's time for a risky little experiment. Now, in the past, when I've done this risky little experiment, I've done it with a much more crowded room, but just go with me and we'll see how it works. Everybody ready? Okay, close your eyes. Okay. Now, what I'd like you to do with your eyes closed is to raise your hand if you or somebody you know personally has experienced something that you believe to be a miracle. Hand up nice and high. Okay, open your eyes and look around. About half the hands went up. Miracles happen all the time, but they're only seen as miracles through the eyes of faith. To somebody who doesn't have faith, when something miraculous happens, their reaction is usually, boy, that's really weird, or gee, that's unexplainable. What was that all about? Miracles are not intended to bring about faith in people who don't believe. That's not what they are for. Instead, miracles are a gift to those who have faith that allows them to see the world around them differently. But we still have two important questions to answer. Why were the people of Nazareth so cynical? And how did their cynicism keep Jesus from performing any miracles? Now, I think cynicism is the scar tissue over wounded expectations. It's the callus that protects our psyches from further disappointment. Many years ago, Lily Tomlin said in her play, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, no matter how cynical you are, it's never enough to keep up. Maybe it was funnier when she said it, I don't know. But among those who are poor and oppressed, cynicism keeps people from being crushed by repeated injustices, 
like a fighter who clenches his muscles in anticipation of the next blow. But among the rich and the privileged, cynicism often covers the disappointment of realizing that wealth and power don't give life meaning. The crowds in Nazareth were clearly in that first category, living under the heel of Rome's occupying army. They'd heard all their lives about the coming Messiah and the freedom that he would bring them. And they just couldn't believe that the carpenter's son from down the street was the savior. He was too familiar to be the Messiah. Miracles have to come from someplace special and exotic, not from the kid next door. But how could their cynicism have prevented Jesus from performing miracles? Well, look at the other miracles of Jesus. How many times did Jesus say to somebody, your faith has healed you? Often it was the faith of a parent or a group of friends. But miracles happen when someone believes. When Peter is walking across the water toward Jesus, he stays above the waves only as long as he believes. And when he begins to fear, he begins to sink. Now, whether you want to interpret these stories literally or figuratively, the message is the same. Miracles happen when Jesus is present and when people act on their faith. Miracles fail in the presence of cynicism and fear. God's grace is always available to us, but we have to be open to God's grace and ready to cooperate with it. We have to be willing and receptive and ready to believe. And that's because God is never going to collapse our free will by forcing on us a miracle that we don't want. Free will is one of God's greatest gifts to us. And so those who are expecting that a miracle is going to be proof of God's existence or God's intervention are always going to be a bit disappointed because God is never going to collapse our free will in that way. So where does that leave us? Most of us don't live our lives dependent on miracles to get through the day or even to get through a crisis. And it's worth mentioning that we are in an age of cynicism, a cynicism that's been brought on by the failures of our political system and our economy, sometimes even the failures of our church. But I think the gospel challenges us to let go of cynicism and fear, and instead to choose to live as people of hope. I think there are more miracles happening around us than our cynicism will let us see. And maybe life would be better if we would let go of our cynicism and live as if we believed that God actually loves us.